Hello and welcome to Tech Terrain. Good to have you with us once again and we hope you're staying safe. I'm Tony Ndoro. We have another exciting episode for you. This time around, we're focusing on research in the agricultural sector. Since the start of the agricultural evolution, the sector was defined by research and innovation to increase productivity to meet the food demand of the world. More recently, research and innovation includes technology development that is adopted throughout the value chain, comprehensive and inclusive digital solutions, and very importantly, ethical and safe practices for industry role players, consumers, and the environment. Our guests in studio today include Professor Lisa Corsten from the University of Pretoria and Professor Charlie Reynard from Northwest University, as well as Matume Ramachopa from Enza Zaden. The John Deere team is also back in studio and under discussion today is a tractor that is all about choice, the 6M. Stay tuned. Remember to visit the Tech Terrain website regularly for heaps of bonus material related to this week's discussion. Let's kick off the show. Well, our focus is on research on the African continent in the agricultural space. But it's all well and good to have so much research taking place. But what are the practical applications of the research that's taking place at the present moment? Here to tell us uh, a little bit more about that, I've got Professor Lisa Corsten from the University of Pretoria in South Africa and also Professor Charlie Reinhardt from the Northwest University also in South Africa. Professors... Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you. Professor, may I start with you? Tell us about your field and also just the importance of research. Okay, I'm a plant pathologist mm -hmm. and I specialize in food safety of fresh produce. And uh, if I don't do my research, you don't eat your food. Okay, we love you for that. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> Short and sweet. Uh, now, Professor Charlie, if I might come to you, an ag agronomist. Explain that to me. Yes, an agronomist uh, basically is involved with crop production. Yeah. And within the crop production space, of course, there are many smaller components. And one of them is uh, my research speciality, which is uh, weed science. And that connects to Lisa's speciality, plant pathology. So weed management and uh, plant disease management if you add insect management to that, you have uh, you have the whole spectrum of crop protection. Okay, but how important though um, is the research that we're going to be focusing on in this particular show? Is there a lot of research taking place or do you think there's scope for a lot more on the African continent? The African continent, uh, my impression is we still too isolated, number one, in the research that we conduct. We don't connect well enough uh, with the research because we're on one continent, uh, but yet in many respects very isolated in the research that we do. Common crops, crops are often the same, uh, environmental conditions often comparable. If you take Southern Africa, for instance, there should be much better collaboration amongst researchers in Southern Africa. The SADC countries, for instance. Professor Lisa, when it comes to collaboration, do you see is business and industry working with academics such as yourself? Uh, they do. They've always funded research uh, and that's very important because it's that link 
between answering those big questions and bringing solutions and the innovative approach and then of course applying that research in industry and if that connection is not there it's a critical gap in in a whole production system and it's not only the production it's the whole supply chain you know so it's from the farm from literally to the fork you know and we have to make sure that supply system is running and you can only do it with research is there willingness to adopt uh, you know the results of some of your research I th- yes not enough mm. so i think there's a critical element in this lack of adopting research um, and actually applying it and and that's where we need to build capacity and competency to transfer that knowledge mm. and make sure it's applied in the field and it's working and it's sustainable and traditionally that's the role of extension officers mm-hmm. and sadly in south africa we, we lack the us system for instance where the extension service is on the university campus yeah they part and parcel of the universities and we used to have that system before the 1970s department of agriculture many of the research activities was conducted on university premises. You talk about universities and I have to now bring in here that the government itself, is there openness to, to research? Is government also playing a role in this, DC? Just quickly to refer back to the extension officer uh-huh. component, of course, that's totally government yeah. uh, funded. And um, the extension service probably, I'm not too involved at that level, but for small-scale farmers, uh, the extension service of government might be working quite effectively. But I don't see it working effectively at the commercial farmer level. Yeah. And, uh, and then steps in the industry, to link to what Lisa said earlier about the importance of industry. Now, the service providers, the people, the companies selling fertilizers, pesticides and so on, they now act in the role of extension officers in giving technical advice to farmers. Interesting point. Uh, uh, Professor Lisa, you want to add to that? Yes, and um, you need to renew. You know, knowledge, I mean, there's, there's nothing like good, solid, traditional knowledge. Um, but, you know, the world around us is changing so rapidly. And if we're unable to plug into those big global trends and shifts and changes, we're going to stay behind. So really to go forward, you need to be innovative and you need to be creative and you need to have a research team on your side. You know, it's, it's, it's fine to say my grandfather used to do it that way, but uh, what will my kids do one day? So you need to link the two. And, and the only way we're going to do it is, is to work together. It's a tripartite relationship, mm. government, industry and academia. And, uh, and, and also the retailers, you know, and, and the fresh produce markets and the, the grain silos and everyone. Mm. We're, we, we're all linked. It's yeah. a supply chain re- approach that we need. And, and we need to do it in terms of not only training and building capacity for each sector in this whole agricultural chain, but we need to do specific research that will help us accelerate that pace and ensure that we can supply food because currently we're not doing it effectively enough. We're not getting food to all the people. And if you look at the informal settlements and the movement of food into those areas, um, we're lacking. We're not able to do it effectively. Mm. So we need to think differently 
and we need to do it now. When one looks at research and uh, the money that's involved in research, you tend to think, okay, maybe this research is serving the big commercial farmers. Uh, that would be the wrong way to look at it, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. We have a Centre of Excellence Food Security, and that's government-funded, science and technology and the NRF. And that funding is mainly going into the informal sector, uh, developing agriculture, small farmers, um, and enabling that informal chain to almost link to the formal chain so that we can move food to everyone. Because it's a right, it's a human right. We all need to have food, we must have food, and we shall have food. And we can do it um, if we link research and we can improve the whole supply chain. Uh, Professor Charlie, please may I have a, a couple of examples where good research has led to better farming from an environmental point of view and uh, from a food supply point of view. I think the best big example I can give you is what has happened in terms of uh, production of essential grain crops mm -hmm. uh, from the 1960s to the 1990s. Uh, the production per hectare on a per hectare basis was about doubled thanks to good technologies, uh, improved fertilizers, improved seed, better pesticides and uh, better cultivars of course, not to forget about that. And uh, we need another jump like that for the future. Yeah. Another doubling is expected to be required to uh, produce food sustainably. Yeah, well, sustainably is, is the key word. Sustainability is the key word. I mean, we've we, we got a continent now that's over a billion people now. Uh, Prof, any comment on that? Yes, and I, I think we need to think out the box as well. You know, we it's not only about the land. You can go vertical. You know, uh, we we can produce food in different ways, in many different ways. And, and we can do it if we harvest all these new innovative technologies. You know, so we have things like artificial intelligence, robotics, um, blockchain management. Um, if we plug into that mm. uh, and urban agriculture, vertical gardens, that's the future. So it's very important that yeah. we integrate this. And, and very important that we don't just regard those modern technologies yeah. as suitable for commercial farmers only. Because it's sustainable it farming. Should, that's that's some the majority of, them, of farming on the continent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, with ad, uh, adaptation to technologies, you can make it relevant for small-scale farming. Mm. And that's I've got to be in my bonnet about uh, people talking about emerging farmers. Yeah, Small-scale farmer is already a farmer. Yeah. You might call him an emerging commercial farmer, but don't call him an emerging farm. Because I've been farming here already. So, so helping, to, myself, helping to get to the commercial scale. Because small-scale farming is all good and well when everything goes well. But when an environmental disaster strikes, like a drought, uh, that person don't have a fallback. You know, you've got two hectares on which you produce enough food for your family. But if those two hectares fail, you are stumped. Whereas a commercial farmer who could have farms in different districts are more protected yeah. against natural disasters in terms of being able to produce food sustainably. 
Professor Lee is talk, talking a little bit about uh, you know the point that Professor Charlie is making there when it comes to uh, the not small scale farmers, your subsistence farmers, and you know we've had uh, droughts in southern Africa. You know it's a little bit better now, but how does research you know help such small scale farmers or those subsistence farmers mitigate uh, you know some of the challenges they will face? Well, you know there's a lot of research happening with drought resistant cultivars. Um, first of all. Um, and it's it's almost taking the technology to the to the farmers, the small farmers, um, and make sure we actually utilize our rural areas better. I, I think we we need to almost reinvest in our rural areas, yeah. get those economies going. Uh, we shouldn't just focus on urban agriculture and yes it's important to push it but you know there's only so many spaces and uh, we have our own challenges but um, develop the urban areas develop the technology for those guys empower them link them to the markets enable them to to produce and harvest and sell and um, you know we all have cell phones so why can't you just sort of go onto an app and say hey uh, farmer joe i want your cucumbers now Uh, can you deliver it uh, to this area you know and and so we can empower people um we don't have to be stuck in this um we've got these constraints so we've got covid now we have to deal with it we've got climate change we have to deal with it and we can do it there is enough to do it um and i think if you're passionate about it you can do it you can do it uh, just one last point is the water scarcity issue uh, on the continent uh that's 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 critical isn't it uh, professor charlie yes uh, water is everything uh plants plants grow based on the availability of water and sunlight how do we get around it that's how we get our energy the energy you and i have you and i display today comes from sunlight and water mm. and uh Yes, of course we have to manage what we've got very carefully, much more carefully. Honest as much as possible that not so much lands up in the in the sea unused. Uh but it's easier said than done because remember we're facing uh, climate change which is only going to become more difficult in the in southern Africa specifically some parts of our country. uh might suffer even more from periodic uh, droughts than currently is the case so of course there needs to be much more investment in water research not only conserving water resources but also from the crop production point of view to make plants more water efficient in terms of their use and that research is ongoing yeah uh to make uh, crops more drought tolerant for instance and uh, gene uh, genetic technology is uh, in place mm. for the production of such plants okay professor lisa one last question for you and being an academic are you seeing a lot of young people interested in getting into your fields um now we do it's funny that uh, i think covid made people look at food in a in a different context mm. and i can see a shift I can see a lot of young people saying, well maybe I want to go into agriculture. Uh we didn't see that a year ago, I must be honest. We were very worried and I can see us attracting a lot of people um in into diverse fields linked to agriculture. It's not only about the production. It's it's like Charlie said, the irrigation. Um but I want to say it's it's also about the quality of the water. 
the use of the mm. water. You know, don't mess with it, save it and use it wisely. Yeah. And that's the technologies we're bringing to students in their training. We're bringing in engineers, smart technologies, um, and we're bringing in economists. Uh, you know, we're going wider, smarter and bigger. Uh, and I can see young people like it. You know, you can you can study law and you can do a bit of agriculture and you can combine it and you can do your e-commerce degree and combine mm. it with agriculture. Yeah. The world's your oyster. Yeah. You know, think creatively and just do all of it. Why not? Professors, it's been fascinating speaking with you and uh, it's actually good to see that we've got young people who are actually interested in agriculture mm. once more. Thank you so much. Okay, and we've spoken before in Tech Terrain about making agriculture sexy. Maybe there's a silver lining to this pandemic that we're going through at the present moment. Stay with us here on Tech Terrain for more. So we're still focusing on environmentally friendly ways to farm and also research in the agricultural space. And here to talk about seed breeding and a lot more from Enza Zardin is Matume Ramachopa. Matume? Good to have you with us. Are you well? I'm well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Enza Zardin, what does it do? And specifically, what are you guys doing on the African continent? So Enza Zardin is a vegetable seed breeding company, originally out of uh, the Netherlands. But um, over the years, Enza has grown and we operate uh, globally um, with multiple uh, subsidiaries in uh, in uh, multiple uh, countries. Currently, we are present in more than uh, 24 countries. Tell us the importance and the role that research plays in the agricultural space. Research is essentially is the backbone of, um, of, uh, of agriculture, particularly if you look at it from a seed industry point of view. To give you an example, a company like Enza, we put at least about 30% of our turnover back into research and development. So it's uh, indeed the, the foundation. So and um, also when you look at it from a breeding point of view, that which it takes about um, six to ten years to um, uh, breed a variety. So that which you do today, you need to have already invested, uh, invested in a, a long time ago. So it's, 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 there's, there's quite a, it's a long-term, long, long-term pro- project. And if you um, take the wrong direction, by the time you're responding to it, it's way too late. So, so that, that's the, really the essence and the importance of, of research within, uh, within, within agriculture. What's the, mo- what's the motivation? Because what you're explaining, like you're saying, is a very long-term process. Uh, what do you hope to achieve at the end of that? So you need to look at it threefold. There's basically um, one look at it from a grower or a, f- a farmer point of view, which the farmer ultimately is looking for a variety that is going to produce uh, the, the best yield. Or um, uh, So we're looking at it from a yield perspective. There's also uh, uh, diseases that uh, develop, whether it be it uh, bacteria of, uh, or viruses that uh, develop, which can negatively affect uh, certain uh, certain crops and for that we need to breed varieties with uh, adequate resistance so that caters for what the farmer requires but from a retail point of view there are certain key attributes whether it be at uh, shelf life eating qualities etc so those those uh, through our selection our breeding process we need to factor that in and again from a consumer point of view it's also um, it's about presentation how um, well how does it look and present uh, firstly but also how does it eat and what are the eat uh, eating qualities and those uh, also need to be factored in so across the entire chain there is an element of research or, or R&D that needs to that needs to take place yeah now does research done in the Netherlands for example would that be would you be able to apply that on the African continent I'm going to assume that you know the different soils uh, different atmospheres just the whole environment is different yeah so 
when when you look, the Netherlands is basically it's our head office, and that's where the, let me say the heart of the organization is. But over the years, uh, Enza has grown, and we've got multiple uh, research and development stations uh, all over the world, and multiple breeding locations. So the, the breeding locations cater for, or at least to mimic as much as of the different climatic conditions uh, th- um, uh, throughout the world, um, through through our different uh, locations. What we do in Africa and also in South Africa is. Um, we uh, we bring varieties which we um, of course through ex- um, uh, the experience and the team uh, that we have with a level of, of knowledge about w- what the market requires we select varieties uh, uh, globally which are best suit- suited for our climate and we do tests or what we call uh, adaptability trials based on the adaptability trials we then be able to select uh, be- uh, varieties best suited for, for our con- our conditions and best suited for the different growing and production techniques. But again, you should also realize that we're not that much uh, different. There's other areas in parts of um, in part of Mexico or in Spain with similar 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 con- uh, growing conditions or growing techniques, so to say. Of those that you, you that pass your selection process, are there any game changes? Yeah, so there's uh, several uh, game changes, but you almost need to look at it f- almost from a, uh, a crop crop basis because each crop uh, has um, uh, different dynamics or different um, different um, uh, requirements so if if you look in for instance there's a product that we've recently been uh, working on in the last couple of years have been working to uh, to develop and, and grow in South Africa which is uh, what we call the orange summer pumpkin so basically it's a orange uh, pumpkin not much of it uh, is consumed uh, locally all it's all grown in South Africa and and then exported to to the Netherlands, where where it's then uh, distributed in into the bigger part of um, Europe. And I think that that again is where you see uh, through breeding and selection now suddenly a variety is able to be accessible a longer period of uh, of the year. And I think that's also from a product model point of view is pro- probably something that could also be interesting for the for the South African uh, South African market and I certainly think that is one of the things that will that will develop another product um, which comes to mind is also cucumber in cucumber one of the challenges that is uh, faces around plastic because each cucumber is individually uh, wrapped in plastic and there we are looking and visit uh, selecting uh, varieties which have been bred with uh, particular sh- uh, shelf life attributes with a whole objective of trying to see whether we can be able to provide the necessary shelf life and eating quality while Im- eliminating the plastic, which in turn also has a positive impact on the on the environment. Looking at the environment that we're in now, uh, you know, we've got the pandemic and we're all, you know, trying to eat healthy, fresh produce is very important. What's your research telling you? Are we heading in the right direction? Yeah, so, so from, in general, I think from a... Um, eating uh, eating quality or eating habit point of view I think there's certainly a lot more healthy healthy eating but that's also something that we are also um, um, looking at so uh, to go back to our earlier discussion you know about v- selecting varieties with certain disease resistance or resistance attribute which also means from a chemical uh, spraying or application point of view you also um, it enables or at least reduces or limits the number of spraying that need to be to be uh, to be applied on on certain crops I suppose I mean we've been talking about human consumption another thing you have to worry about of course is the environment and uh, some of the crops that you're selecting or the seeds that you're selecting I'm sure they also lend to the fact that or lean to the fact that uh, you know what we have to take care of our environment at the moment 
Yeah, most certainly. And uh, environment is one of the key things that we, we also take into into con, uh, consideration through, of course, through our, our, our selection um, uh, process to ensure it's all about sustainability at the end of the day that we may be able to supply and growers may be able to grow sustainably in order to be able to meet the growing demands and the growing population that we anticipate to see in the fu- uh, going into the future. Wow, good stuff. Matume, thank you so much. Thank you to you. Matume Ramachopa there from Enza Zarin talking about research and the importance of research when it comes to fresh produce and also the environment as well. Now, at the top of the show, we spoke about the new John Deere tractor, the 6M tractor. Well, to talk to me a little bit more about that and from the John Deere team, I've got Admayam Chairo and Hein Sneeman. Gentlemen, good to have you with us on Tech Terrain. Are you well? Good. Good, Tony. Admire, let me start with you. We've spoken here on the show about the 6B, the multi-tool. What's the difference between the two? Thank you very much, Tony. And we do get that question often from our customers. Uh, 6M tractor is a more is a highly integrated tractor which comes with more technology as well as a, a level above a 6B. A 6B tractor is mainly focusing on entry-level farmers. When you look at a 6M, we are looking at a tractor where a customer can customize his tractor according to his needs. We are talking about the tires, we are talking about wheelbase, we are talking about transmission, we are talking about hydraulics. All this he can select from different options that he's got. And again, if you look at it, comes with comfort, it comes with reliability. Yeah, among the few. What is referring to the pro, the whole profile at John Deere? Well, if you look at the profile, it, it suits within our middle portfolio where a customer can actually spec it with a lower horsepower and with a higher horsepower. Okay, so Hein, this tractor is uh, for the more technically savvy farmer, the more data-driven farmer, is that correct? Tony, yes. If we look at the 6M, uh, we like to refer to the M as more, giving the customer more choice, helping them work work more hectares. Uh, It's got more productivity and also it's got more technology available as well. So what are the biggest differences between the old 6M and this new 6M? Tony, apart from the changes on the new 6M, we've given the customer more options as well. Like, for instance, the cab styling we've changed. We're giving the customer the option to choose one of three cabs, either the, the, the select 
cap, select plus or the premium cap. Apart from that as well, we've changed the operator's controls, which includes new display units for comfortable operation and viewing of tractor performance. One that we are very excited about as well is the, able, the ability to spec your tractor with JD Link integrated. That does not only give you the option to have access to world-class technology, but also gives you peace of mind that your dealer will be monitoring your machine performance as well as notify you of any concerns that might arise. So talk to me about the horsepower in the 6M and what advantage it actually has over other tractors within that same range. This 6M comes from 110 horsepower to 195 horsepower. And apart from technology, it comes with a solid frame, which makes it easy to service and maintain, and again, low cost of maintenance to the, to the farmer. Okay. Hein, uh, I know you, you spoke a little bit about uh, the difference between the old 6M and this new one. But talk to me about the, the full range of technology available on this new one. Guidance technology is becoming more and more requirement in the mid-spec tractors, which makes the 6M the ideal tractor. With the new integrated technology, you get built-in screens and displays which will help you with the guidance of the machine, which obviously saves the customer by not buying additional screens. With the research and development that went into this tractor, with built-in technology and integrated technology, you won't be able to see all the, the, the technology in the machine, everything is built in. We've also changed the, the technology on the hydraulics as well, Tony, that improves the tractor performance as well as operator safety. All right, Admire, let's talk about uh, what this tractor can be used for. What are its different applications? If we look at the, at the 6M, we use it for all crop applications, mostly grains. And then from there, most of our units that we sell, we sell them as planted tractors, which are also easy to use as spraying equipment. With a beef and dairy industry, you can also add a front loader, which is suitable for those applications. This tractor can also be used as a haulage tractor because of its solid frame and the transmission that we have also talked about earlier on, especially in the sugarcane industry. Okay, so Hein, this tractor offers the farmer a lot of choice, doesn't it? Tony, yes. If we look at the, the 6M range, there's a lot of configuration options available for the customers. For instance, if we look at the wheel options, we've got 110 different wheel configurations available. The customer's got a choice of 11 transmission uh, configurations, three cab styles, three hydraulic systems, and the list goes on, which makes the 6M the ideal tractor in its class. And service? Serviceability is all round available from every dealer. Um, it's one of our most popular tractors, the most sell tractors in South Africa. So you'll always have a dealer with enough parts, enough knowledge to service that tractor and get the customer running again. So Admire, lastly, just give us a, a couple of examples or an example of uh, this tractor in use on the continent. We've got a mid-sized farmer that upscaled to a 6M. And the 6M, because of its technology that comes with it, he was able to increase his productivity and efficiency, thereby increasing his yields at the end of the day. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming through and explaining this new 6M tractor to us. That's Hein and Admire, part of the John Deere team. So if you're looking for more choice, get yourself this new 6M tractor from John Deere. Well, that's it, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Tech Terrain. But join us next time around where we'll focus on the future of technology in the agricultural sector. But go on to our website for bonus material uploaded every single week. Until next time, from myself, Tony Ndoro, stay safe. Bye-bye.